You're listening to Kiama Community Radio. This program is brought to you by Kiama Leagues Club, the modern, friendly heart of Kiama. Welcome to Around the Arena's Kiama Community Radio sports program, where you can regularly hear what's happening in sport across the region. I make no secret of the fact that I love nothing more than to have a chat with someone who is passionate about their sport. I've spoken to many people over time, but I've never encountered a sporting tragic like my guest today. Bill Peters is my go-to guy when a cricket story comes across my desk. His knowledge of the game and his devotion to cricket's history is something to behold. Bill also provides this program with historical anecdotes involving the Kaima Cricket Club, the Cavaliers, and has painstakingly collated and documented the Cavs' history back into the 1800s. So I thought I'd ask Bill about his thoughts on where cricket's up to with COVID affecting all sports currently and what we can expect from the national team this coming summer when the old enemy, the Poms, visit. Here's how the conversation went. So welcome to Kiama Community Radio, Bill. And first, can I thank you publicly for the support you have given this program? No dramas at all, Glenn. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, involve myself in the Kiama community and about the only thing I can do is offer some sort of stuff to do with cricket. Well, I really do appreciate it. So, so Bill, with, with all that in mind, um, and with the cricket season, season upon us, what is your confidence level around us, uh, you know, getting the competition underway and scheduled this summer? Well, I think there'll definitely be some cricket this summer, but I don't think it's going to be any time in the near future. I, I can't see any way that the cricket season could start before sort of mid-November. So I think we're certainly going to miss probably at least six weeks that we would normally have. And I'm sure that the district will have to find a way to uh, jig the draw around uh, to cover that. Okay. Now, now last season uh, as well, bad weather and, and the effect of COVID really knocked the season around. Does that, that those interruptions like that, does that have a flow-on effect to young people either taking up the sport or continuing in the sport? Well, I think it's going to it's I think it's the effect is being seen now because uh, obviously registrations are open for all the cricket clubs in the district. And I think all the clubs are struggling to get people to actually nominate to play because no one really knows when we're going to start. And so if there's no actual start date, then you're not really gonna jump and, and plonk your money down to, to play cricket. So I think that's the biggest problem at the moment is actually not having a, a, a start date as to when we're actually going to get it going. Uh, I know Kiama, for instance, though, have already come out and said that uh, they're hoping that people will register with the club to play this season so that we can nominate teams for the new season and that if there is actually no play during the season, then all the fees will be refunded. So there's no uh, danger of losing money. And it's just they're trying to use that as an incentive to get more people to, to register now rather than wait and see what happens. Yeah, I guess also, Bill, that uh, if anyone's like me, I can't wait for the lockdown to be lifted so I can go somewhere. <laughs> so uh, ra- rather than be stuck at, um, at Gaines Oval, if you like, or, or somewhere else, um, just get out and do something. So, yeah, that might be a bit of an influence as well to be with more than one, uh, one child in the family, I guess. Well, I think that's a problem they're going to face, Glenn, when it comes to when they start the cricket season because once lockdown does finish, then you would expect that a lot of people, uh, they're going to be wanting to be going 
and going on a holiday and going away and not necessarily being tied down to our district and being tied down to sort of playing cricket every Saturday sort of thing. So I think certainly for junior cricket, I would think that's got to be taken into account as to how soon the season will start and what kind of breaks will be available so that parents and kids and families can all holiday together rather than still being stuck here at home and then just getting into a, a work sort of weekend sport routine again. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. So put that to one side and um, and talk about last season, if you like. Um, how do you think the Cavs, the Coyma Cavs, achieved their potential last season and uh, how do you think they'll go this year if we actually get them on the paddock? Well, I think last year we probably surprised ourselves with how well our first grade team went. Uh, in the long run, I know that the guys were disappointed we didn't make the semi-finals, but they had every chance if they'd been able to get a win against Albion Park and Oak Flats in the final two rounds, then they would have played finals last year, which would have been a fantastic achievement given that it was our first time in four or five years we'd been in first grade. So finishing just outside probably augurs well for this season, you would hope, as long as we can keep uh, keep our players from last season. Our second grade played semi-finals and, and were probably disappointed they didn't go further. Third grade won the comp and fourth grade had a very solid season. So overall, last year, I think Kyma would have been extremely happy with the way we went. And certainly uh, when we had our presentation night a few months ago, the, the feeling in the club was that we could push that forward and go even better in the coming season. Now, obviously, this has come around and sort of disrupted us a little bit. But hopefully, once we actually get a date as to when cricket will start, uh, we will have everyone jumping to come back and uh, to put in and hopefully achieve what we were trying to aim for at the, at the presentation. <laughs> what about you know, women, women's sport is a real growth area across all sports. So what are the pathways for young girls to get into the game? Well, it's jumping out of the ground, isn't it, Glenn? At the moment, you've only got to look at, uh, at the international and state level where we have the, the women's big bash and we have World Cups every couple of years. And certainly there are more women's teams in all clubs uh, and I've, most of the clubs now are looking to at least incorporate women's teams both in the juniors and in a seniors role. Kyama is certainly trying to do that as well. I think it's a great opportunity for women in cricket because there are lots of opportunities to further themselves as representative cricketers. Uh, as the pathways grow now, there's, there's much a much better opportunity for girls to go on and represent Australia at, a, at, a, at a New South Wales at a junior level as well as at a senior level. So I think any women and girls who are out there who have had any thoughts about it should certainly uh, get online, go to the Climber Creek Club website, which has just been redone and it looks fantastic. And think about just coming down and having a look at cricket and thinking about how you'd be able to participate as well. Okay, so with with uh, the expansion of women's uh, sport, facilities have come under a bit of pressure, and I'm hearing stories of facilities development in the quarry. Now I know people laugh, you know, um, they say they say things like, "Oh, I've heard that it's all speculation, all this sort of thing," but um, I am hearing that it's trying to be pushed along in our community. So, what do you think would uh, look? What, what would it look like? for, uh, you know, the facility would look like up there, um, given the three different sports share the share the area. You know, you've got your soccer, you've got your athletics and the cricket. So is there anything in the in the pipeline there for for development up there? 
I know from the cricket side of things, Glenn, uh, from when I've been on the board, and that, that stretches back over 20 years, we've certainly, as a cricket club, been pushing for a, uh, a not a redevelopment, but certainly a development of the sporting complex to not only have uh, better facilities there for cricket and for soccer, and as you say, the other sports that use it, such as a grandstand and, and shared facilities, much like the Rugby Union Club have. I mean, I think there's an opportunity there to build a, a grandstand come function centre that could be between the cricket field and the soccer field that both clubs could use. Uh, it's something that we've spoken about from our side of things for, like I said, probably over 20 years now. The big thing is always is money. And you've only got to look at the excellent job that the Kaima Power have done down at Banera Street and the amount of fundraising they need to go through to, to build that facility. And I think that's something that, in the long run, uh, the sports up there that use that facility have probably got to get serious about it and start being serious about it rather than just talking about it. And I think that's where the problem lies. We can talk until the cows come home. But unless we all stand up together, all of us, the clubs and the, the sports council and get together and actually decide to do something, and uh, then it'll probably stay the same as it is. Okay. Well, I, I really do hope that we, uh, we do get a facility, a facilities upgrade there because it, it's such a great, it could be such a great venue. For, and, you know, you've got the uh, aquatic centre there, you've got the netball up in that area. So I think it, it really would enhance our, our community. But uh, let, let's jump out of that, uh, the local stuff, and, and just touch on the national men's front, if you like. And uh, I see Coach Langer seems to be under a great deal of pressure and scrutiny. Uh, what's your assessment of the team's chances of this year, given this is a big year for cricket with the, uh, with the England tour? Yes, uh, I can only give my opinion on the coaching stuff. And I think that you've only got to look at Justin Langer. He's, when he was a player for Australia, he played in what is basically been the greatest ever Australian team and they, they never lost. And he didn't know what losing felt like. And now he's coming as coach of this team and he's, he's certainly discovering what losing is like. And I don't know that he's handling it too well. Hopefully, they've sorted out whatever problems they had, but that looks like it's going to be a, a long-term thing for as long as he's the coach. I've, in regards to the way Australia's going to go this year, personally, I, I think that um, if we made the semifinals of the T20 World Cup, that would be an achievement. I don't know that we're one of the best three or four teams there. Uh, and I think that if we could make the semis, that would be the achievement. Obviously, the Ashes is our main focus. Anyone who's been watching the... Uh, series in England at the moment between England and, and India. We'll see that the English have been struggling a bit with the bat, which Australia has as well in recent times. I must admit, probably three or four months ago, I thought England were favourites, but I'm getting the feeling now that if our bowlers bowl as well as they can do out here, then Australia should be favourites for that series. Okay, and I see that um, COVID's uh, severely affected the England-India the England India series and uh... And currently, they're struggling to get on and play their last game. I think they're uh, they're in lockdown. Um, so yeah, I hope that doesn't flow through to us and, and affect affect the uh, the sport during the coming summer. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to play out that way. You can see there I, there's going to be uh, cricket Australia is going to be under enormous pressure to uh, have the bubbles work for them, and of course, the English are concerned about whether they're able to bring their families out for such a long tour, and that's. That's in the back of their mind. So it's, it's going to be uh, a constant problem, I think, for the next three or four months, trying to make sure that everything 
is in place and that if anything does go wrong in regards to COVID, they're able to, to uh, quickly assess that and perhaps you know, change venues or whatever they need to do in that respect. Certainly the, the blueprint for that's been the AFL and the, the rugby league during the winter, they've, they've up stumps and so to speak, but yeah, move around the country. It must be great, a great expense. But anyway, I do hope the, the summer is good. I'll have to go and buy my tickets. I see, um, <laughs> I see my crickets uh, trying to trying to sell those at the moment. Now, listen. Also, while I've got you, your great work in recording the cricket history. I'm I'm blown away by it. I, I think it's fabulous. So, what's the next piece of work that you, you're doing to keep filling in all the gaps? What can we look forward to next from you? It, it depends on whether I go. I, I can go one of two ways. It's either I continue to find the really good stories throughout the history, and I keep just doing basically podcast episodes on on those, uh, wherever they may stretch from 1854 all the way through to the present. Or I go back and I systematically sort of do a, a whole review of uh, periods in maybe five or ten year blocks all the way through and, and do it that way. So I'm a bit up in the air about it and I must admit I've had a rest for a couple of months, so I, it's about time I started getting stuck back into that again. May, it may end up being a mix of those two things, Glenn. It may well be uh, a, a block of uh, 10 or 20 years where I, I describe what actually happened in Kymer Cricket over, over a period of a couple of episodes and then being able to find stories that just fill maybe one episode as I go along. Okay. Well, I certainly look forward to hearing them. And if at any time uh, I, can, I can help you by, you know, using some of those on this program, I'm more than happy to do it, Bill. I really... Really love hearing hearing what you come up with. Sounds great, Glenn. Okay, well, thank you for joining me again today, Bill, and um, on Kyma Community Radio, and uh, and best of luck over the summer, and and thanks again for talking to me today. Always a pleasure, Glenn. And I'll just quickly again say, if you're interested in playing cricket, uh, you go to kymacricketclub.com and check out the website and all the information's there. Sign up now, and uh, a great season coming up. Let's hope. Okay. Thanks very much for your time today, Bill. Thank you. Cheers, Glenn. KCR, Kiama Community Radio.org. For the community, by the community. In ladies' golf news, last Wednesday at Kiama, a Stapleford competition was played. A grade went to Beth Roddy with 36 points from Gail Pottinger, 35. In B grade, Jan Moss, 37 was in front of Jennifer Bombassi with 35, and in C grade, Nellie Mobbs, 41, from Leslie Hollands, 37. At Jamboree, the ladies played their monthly medal stroke round. Division 1 went to Kay Brennan with 71 net, from Judy O'Brien, 76. Division 2, Lynn Kusky, 69, from Robin Gregson, 73, and Division 3, Robin Bowles, 71, from Mari Rogers, 77. In rugby league news, it's that time of year when the knives are out for players and coaches alike. Each club carries out a review of their season performance with a view to making changes that will lead to improvements the following year. Some commentators would have you believe that if you haven't played the game, you don't understand how things work. But if you are a paying, long-suffering fan whose club isn't performing, you understand improvement is important. I'm predicting at least two current coaches will not survive past round eight next season and there will be a line-up for plane tickets to Britain for several players before Christmas. 
On a happier note, isn't it great to see James Maloney having success with the Catalan Dragons in the Super League? Maloney is a winner, having won two NRL premierships with the Roosters and the Sharks. I'd be trying to coke the impending retiree into going around one more time and link with unwanted Tarek Sims at the Tigers to help stabilise a club in crisis and support Adam Dewey and the young Tigers get back on track. With the first week of the NRL finals behind us, congratulations to Melbourne, South Parra and the Roosters on their wins and see you next year, Gold Coast and Newcastle. Next week, Melbourne and the Bunnies get a rest while Parra, Manly, Penrith and East fight out the right to continue. Good luck to your team. And finally, to our Paralympians. You have done yourselves, your families and your country proud with your efforts over the last few weeks. That's all I have time for this week, but if you'd like your sport to be part of the program, contact me at kcradiocontent at gmail.com. I'm Glenn Shepherd and I hope to see you around one of our sporting arenas. This program is brought to you by Kiama Leagues Club, the modern, friendly heart of Kiama. You've been listening to Kiama Community Radio. The views, information or opinions expressed during this segment are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Kiama Community Radio.